Hi, it's Carolina. I'm so excited that you could join us on the City Point Redcliffe podcast. We're about to go into a message that I delivered recently, and I hope that it encourages you, it inspires you, and it launches you further in your walk with Jesus. That's my heart for you as you listen. If it does encourage you, why not share it with someone who you think could do with hearing it as well? And subscribe so that you don't miss any of the messages that are uploaded every single week. For now, sit back, enjoy, and I hope that you get blessed. Ah, Christmas. Christmas, Christmas. I want to read an account together this morning out of Matthew chapter 2. And I've only got the first two scriptures on the screen, but I'm going to continue reading, so just settle in like, you know, mum's reading your bedtime story, okay? Matthew chapter 2. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea. During the reign of King Herod, about that time, some wise men from the eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? Scary for King Herod, who's the king, when rich dudes turn up and go, where's the new king? And he's like, say what? (laughs) Excuse me. Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. They were astrologers, wise men, people who studied the skies. Tim McDonald tells the most amazing message around the astrology of this. I couldn't even articulate it if I tried. But these guys say, we saw his star as it rose, and we've come to worship him. They're asking King Herod. Where's the new king? Because we want to worship him. And Herod, understandably, was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of the religious law. He calls in the Jewish leaders and he goes, what are these guys talking about? Where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I may worship him too. Now, you know that's not actually his motive. Come back and tell me when you find him because I want to give him a present as well. After this interview, the wise men went on their way and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house, so this is no longer the inn, okay? So I'm sorry, but all the nativity scenes where the wise men are in the inn when the manger are wrong, it's okay. I love those nativities as well. He's now in a house. Some people say that he was two years old, that the wise men followed that star for two years, So they entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary and bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. 
When it was time to leave, they turned to their own, returned to their own country by another route, for God warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. All right? Stay sensitive to the direction of God. Title of my message this morning is Wise Men Seek Jesus. The world needs wisdom in this day, in this hour. The world needs wisdom. And you hear me say it over and over again. The world needs truth, not relative truth. The world needs truth. There is only one way to truth, and that is Jesus. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. If you want to come to the Father, you have to come by me. There is no other truth for us to build our lives on than the truth of Scripture, than the truth of the Word of God. My all-time favorite author, A.W. Tozer, said this, Satan's greatest weapon is man's ignorance of the Word of God. If you want him to triumph in your life, stop reading your Bible. Wise men seek Jesus. And so the title of my message is a play on the story. Yes, they did. Wise men did seek Jesus. But today, wise men seek Jesus. If you're wise, you will seek Jesus. You will seek Jesus. First Corinthians, Paul is writing to a really brand new church. And if you feel like the topsy-turvy, upside-down culture of today is new, you just need to read First and Second Corinthians and you will know it is not new. We've always been this messed up. And he's writing to a brand new church, a body of believers who have come into the saving grace of Jesus, whose spirits are coming alive, but they're working out their salvation. And he says in 1 Corinthians 16, and I'm saying to you, be on guard. Abby, be on guard. Michael, be on guard. Josh, be on guard. Be on guard. Stand firm in your faith, in God, respecting his precepts and keeping your doctrine sound. Please don't get your doctrine from Instagram. If you are favoriting quotes by your favorite preachers or what's her name, Morgan Nichols or whatever her name is, that's great, but keep your doctrine sound in the word. In the word. Act like mature men and be courageous and be strong. Let everything you do be done in love motivated and inspired by God's love for us. Stand firm, be on your guard, keep your doctrine sound, be respecting of the precepts of God. Proverbs 9 verse 10, famous scripture, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's the foundation of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One results in good judgment. Knowledge of the Holy One results in good judgment. Not knowledge of every other thing you can study and learn, but knowledge of the Holy One is what results in good judgment. 
Wise men seek Jesus. My first point this morning, four points on how to be a wise person. And the first one is just be an honorable person. Someone who has integrity and honor about their lives. Proverbs 10 verse 1. A wise son makes his father glad. A foolish son is the grief of his mother. Wisdom brings you honor. And it brings honor to the people around you. Honorable people don't have or settle for lives of regret because they make wise decisions. They think clearly and they make wise choices. That is all you need to do in life. Think clearly and make wise choices. If you can't think clearly because there's a storm going on in your life, you need to pull away and you should spend time in the presence of God until you can clear your head. Many of us get caught up in the vortex of the craziness of life. And I ask people, when was the last time you sat in quietness and stillness? Oh, I don't have time for that. Carry on then, my friend. We need to think clearly and make wise decisions. Think clearly and make wise decisions. A wise person thinks before they act, before they speak, before they make a confession or make a decision. They think soberly. They think clearly. A wise person asks, how will my decision affect my future? How will it affect my family, my friends, my community? As I'm reading through Paul's journeys and his writings at the moment, He's constantly saying, you know what, Cam? You're no longer under the law. You're no longer under the law. You can actually do whatever you want. But not everything is beneficial. Just because you can do whatever you want doesn't mean you should. Number one. And then he says, if my action... Because I'm free and I might have a deep understanding of my freedom and the grace of God. But if my action, if your action causes Kate to stumble, don't do it. She might not have the same revelation you do and you'll be accountable for that. So a wise person stops and thinks, how is this decision going to affect me, my future, my family, my friends, my community? Paul is constantly saying, you are, you're completely free. It's not about, you know, I can't do that because the Bible says. It's actually just being wise. And knowledge of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. When we know God and we know his intentions for us, we can live lives of wisdom. Wise choices bring honor to those around us and to ourselves. Honor in the Bible means esteem and great respect and value. Honor is the hallmark of respect. You honor someone who you respect. Start first with yourself. Honoring and respecting yourself. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Start there. Hold your head high. Honor and respect yourself knowing that you are the habitation of the Spirit of God. There is a certain behavior that is fitting for that and certain behaviors that are not. 
And not that God's saying, don't do it because I'm mean and bossy, but it's like, you're actually just a habitation of the Spirit. So there are some behaviors, some confessions, some thoughts that are just not fitting for you anymore. Honor and respect. Honor opens doors of blessing. Do you know an honorable person seeks out and benefits from correction? When we read Proverbs, Proverb gives us one diagnostic tool on how to tell whether a person, because everybody falls into one of two categories, a wise person or a fool. Sorry. Only diagnostic tool when you're trying to decide or determine which one that person is, is correct the person and see how they'll respond. A fool lashes out at you. A fool flies off the handle. A fool makes it your fault. A wise person will go, thank you for correcting me. Thank you for speaking into my life. A wise person seeks and benefits from correction. Proverbs 5, 15 verse 5, a fool despises his father's instruction, but he who receives correction is prudent. A wise person learns from other people's mistakes. Don't make your own. Save yourself some time. Save yourself some heartache. Pull yourself alongside people who are going to speak into your life. And then, here's actually the key, apply what they say. Wow. Proverbs 18, verse 12. Before a downfall, the heart is haughty. But humility comes before honor. Pride comes before a fall. We all know it. But humility comes before honor. So be an honorable person. Number two, keep good company. Keep good company. Proverbs 13, 20. But he who walks with wise men will be wise himself but the companion of fools will be destroyed. Will be destroyed. Sam always used to say, if you lie down with dogs, you'll wake up with fleas. It's true though. Keep good company. Good company points you in the right direction. Good company brings out the best in you. Good company champions you in adversity and stands alongside you and keeps you going. Bad company points you in the wrong direction. (laughs) Bad company distracts you. Bad company brings out the worst in you. I always know the moment I walk away from a person. We all do. I know the minute I've walked away from a person, the impact they've had on my life. Did they just draw out my best? If the answer's no, just be cautious. Just be cautious. And they champion you in adversity. I can't tell you how many times in adversity the people who built me up, encouraged me, spoke scripture and promise over me. You better believe they're the ones I included in my close circle. Good company. Good company. Acts 4. This is so awesome. I love this so much. Acts 4. We've got a bunch of... <laughs> the motley crew of the disciples, okay? These were not the polished teachers and scribes of the Jewish religion. These guys, like Jesus picked fishermen, tax collectors, rough and ready, okay? Motley crew. 
and then he lives with them and teaches them for three years and then he dies and ascends, you know, rises and goes to heaven, leaves these guys to run the church. I can relate. And um, in Acts 4, they're, they're giving it their best shot. I mean, they're giving it their best shot. And now when they, the Peter, the, the people, when the people saw the boldness of Peter and John, they perceived that they were uneducated and untrained, and they marveled. And they realized that they must have been with Jesus. How cool is that? So you've got Peter who was a business owner. He was a fisherman, Pete's prawns, right? He was not a scribe or a Pharisee. He didn't sit with his special robe and turban in a temple. He was out with his nets on the water, probably like leather-like skin, smelt like fish. And then you've got Matthew, who was the scum of the earth, tax collector, who would like cook the books, right? skim money for himself. He was hated. Matthew. Luke comes along later, doesn't he? He's actually writing Acts. Luke was a doctor, like bulk billing doctor. You know, these are not guys who are sitting in temples with quills and scrolls. And they go out (laughs) and they start speaking about Jesus and all the scribes, all the uprights, Realize they're not educated, but they're so wise. How do they know this stuff? How can they articulate this stuff? And it says there, they realized that they must have been with Jesus. You become who you hang around. You become who you hang around. And another passage, it says, their speech betrayed them. The way you speak gives away what's inside. So be careful who you hang around. To be a wise person, you've got to keep good company. They hung around with Jesus for three years and became so well-versed in the Scripture and the ways of God that now the most intellectual people were marveling. You know, a wise person chooses their friends carefully. They ask, who do I want to become? Stop asking, what am I going to get out of this? And start asking, who am I going to become? A wise person asks, who am I going to become? Because I'm going to become like whoever I hang around. Who has my best interests at heart? Who will draw me closer to Jesus? Keep good company. Number three. Stay committed. This is the word. This and self-discipline are two terms that our generation is allergic to. Commitment and self-discipline. A wise person is a committed person. A fool jumps after the next shiny thing. But a wise person knows where they're going, what they're committed to. A wise person lives by conviction. They've built their house on a rock. They are committed. Commitment is the never-ending word. It's not fashionable. But wisdom is built on commitment. Proverbs 16 verse 3, commit your works to the Lord 
and your thoughts will be established. Sometimes we wait until we feel like doing something before we do it. But here it says, commit your works to the Lord and then your thoughts and your feelings will follow. This is the story of my life. Most mornings, I don't feel like doing what I know God is calling me to do. Most mornings, I feel like I don't have enough. And I probably don't. Actually, I don't. None of us have enough. But commit your works to the Lord and then everything falls in place. Your soul, your emotions, your, your, your thoughts, everything falls into line when we commit, when we commit our works to the Lord. Do you know, there's always a way if you're committed. There's always a way out if you're not. There's always a way if you're committed. These guys spent two years following a star because they knew. They knew. They were committed. Most of us complain if we have to wait two minutes in a queue. This is the problem of this day. (laughs) I want to tell you, God does things. It's a slow burn with Jesus. I wish it wasn't. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And the waiting... Oh my goodness, the waiting. It's agonizing. It's agonizing. And it's the devil's playground, isn't it? The thoughts. What if this? What if that? How about this? How about that? Hey, Abraham, Sarah's really old. Why don't you do it yourself? Sure, Ishmael, now we're still paying the price. But we've got to be committed. We've got to be committed and we've got to be level-headed in the waiting seasons, in the waiting seasons. A person who is wise is a person of commitment. They will ask, what do I need to understand that I don't understand now? What do I need to understand that will settle my spirit and anchor my soul so that I can be committed? What do I need to commit to? Not what do I need to get out of? Don't look at 2023 and go, what do I need to get out of? Look at 2023 and ask, what do I need to commit to? That is wisdom. That is wisdom. The disciples wouldn't have fully understood what Jesus was calling them to. I've definitely felt like that. God's like, hey, Caroline. I'm like, yeah. I don't fully know, but I just follow him through the journey, committed committed, committed to the word, committed to his verse, committed to his promise, and they followed. Do you know the greatest reward is reserved for the people who pay the highest price? The greatest reward is reserved for the people who pay the highest price. Commitment will show you things that people with lesser commitment will never see. It's reserved for you. It's reserved for you. Greatness lies on the other side of inconvenience. And greatness is always doing what everyone else is avoiding. That's why you become great. Because you do what everyone else is avoiding. Thomas Edison said, opportunity is missed by most people because it's dressed in overalls and it looks like hard work. We've got to be committed to the cause at all costs, 
at all costs. Imagine getting to a point in your life and you go, I followed you this far, Jesus, but that, nah. I'm tapping out. I see it all the time. And I decided as a 14-year-old girl, that would never be me. And that's actually just the decision and the commitment we've got to make. No matter what, I'm following Jesus all the way. No matter what comes, I'm following him all the way. Just imagine getting to a point where you're like, mm, no, nah, not there. That horrifies me. Imagine, he created you. He breathed his breath of life into you. He endowed you with gifts and abilities. He has a destiny for your life. He puts a call on you. He's got assignments for you, people to impact and love. And you get to a certain point in your life and you're like, I'm out. What? What? Can we just all make a pact today that that won't be us? That no matter what happens, I'm following Jesus all the way. That's commitment. Committed all the way. It leads to reward. What I've learned this year, I've got nothing here. Nothing. Not even my children. I'm just raising them for the kingdom. They're God's too. I've got nothing here. You can hate me, persecute me, love me, bless me. I've got nothing here. It's all on the other side. Every day, every day counts for what's on the other side. And he can, he does, he gives and he takes away. The quicker we realize that, the quicker we can be effective in the kingdom. The quicker we can be free. Do you know how free it is to finally realize I've got nothing here? Jesus, whatever. You know how free that is? In all my grief this year, I've never experienced more freedom to realize there is another side and that's the only bit that counts. It all counts for that. And I think if we all lived with eternity in mind, our mortal lives would look very, very different. Our mortal conversations, decisions, activities would look so different. And we'd find joy in all of it. Do you know the beautiful thing about Jesus? Is he was never distracted. He was never inconvenienced because everything he perceived was an assignment. How cool is that? You know how frustrated you get because you get interrupted? Imagine not ever feeling that again. Because what if that interruption is a heavenly um, appointment? Freedom. Nothing I have here means anything compared to what's over there. Commitment. Number four, seek truth. Seek truth. Truth, 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 truth. Absolute, beautiful, life-giving, freeing truth. It does exist. Truth is real. It is. It's in the scripture. It's the only place you'll find it. Again, Tozer, Satan's greatest weapon is man's ignorance of the word of God. And we need wisdom in this hour, in this day. We need people who are seekers of truth. 
They said, where is he? We've seen his star and we have come to worship him. Do you know the enemy of our souls wants us to care more about our feelings so that we will willingly deny truth in order to serve our feelings. He wants to elevate our feelings so that we'll let go of everything else just to feel good, just to gratify ourselves. Why? Because your feelings are easy to manipulate. The truth is not. And all he wants is just to get you so he can manipulate you. Why? So he can take you out of the call of God on your life. But you stand on the truth, you outsmart him at every turn. I don't care that that feels inconvenient. I don't care that that hurts. I don't care that whatever you might tell me that feels like, this is the truth and truth sets me free. You can't manipulate the truth. You can manipulate feelings. can't manipulate the truth. Truth is really the place you want to live. And so seek truth. A wise person asks, do I seek the truth or do I seek emotion? Do I seek Jesus? Do I seek his ways or my own ways? There is only one truth, Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Can we all stand to our feet this morning? Thank you for listening. We pray that this message inspires you to unmistakably influence your world for good and for God. Go ahead and share it with a friend. And can I invite you to connect with us on one of our many social media platforms as well? Most importantly, if you made a decision to follow Jesus, I want to say congratulations. This is the beginning of a life-changing journey. We'd love to see you at one of our many City Point Church services around the world this Sunday. And you can find out more about our service times and locations at citypointchurch.com. We would be so thrilled to see you there.